Welcome to Pretty Funny Business, the playground brand we were forced to create in order to corral our founders' nonsensical ideas and general tomfoolery. From the founders of, but not generally endorsed by, Emmy Collective. From this podcast, you can expect off-the-cuff banter on feminism, funny business, and, well, not-so-funny business. Join us out of curiosity, stay for the hot takes and dad jokes. Welcome to Pretty Funny Business. I'm Lauren Aquilino. I'm Sydney Mulligan. And today we have with us Justin Norris, a lovely Canadian. Hello. We We love Canadians on this podcast. We have an affinity for Canadians. We should. You know, I I just noticed in your episode with Mike McFarlane, you already designated him your favorite Canadian. So I feel like I was. I'm I'm coming in at a disadvantage already. You know, it's kind of like when um, there's a competitive show like American Idol or The Voice, you know, for like every season they go, this is our best season yet. This is the going to be the best season ever. Like they just say that every year. So I like to Justin, think that we are, Canadian, who you are. We're creating a sense of competition amongst Canadians that doesn't really exist. Yeah, we're just, so like we're trying I, to rile you up a little bit. Some, yeah, some, I feel like if we were on a Canadian yeah. podcast and they were like, oh, this was our favorite American, we would be like, well, no, fuck you. I'm going to be your favorite American now. And that's not really the vibe with Canada. So it's was, it was really weird on the note of Canadian competitiveness. I lived in Vancouver during uh, 2010 when the Olympics were there. And oh, um, it was a really interesting vibe at the time because the city got really into it. Like I think all of Canada got really into it, but people were like roaming the streets and like little patriotic bands and singing the national anthem spontaneously. And, and Canada did really well. And there was all this news chatter about like, is this okay? Like that Canadians are being <laughs> competitive. Like, is it, this is odd. Is it wrong? Like there was this weird, this weird like thing. Like more to be like proud of Canada, but like modestly like, proud we, of Canada. Like, yeah. Should we really try to win that much? Like, is it fair? Um, <laughs> you know, so. So humble. So no, <laughs> but no I'm okay so- with being the second, second favorite. Sorry, Lauren. That's okay. You can no, be tied for first. Yeah, and I should really say that we haven't actually had my favorite Canadians on. I don't know. They know me too well to like to know how far south this could really go. Like, I don't think they'll ever be on. <laughs> they know <laughs> the like, risks too much yeah, to accept. They're like, I have I am good with my personal brand. Lauren has nothing to add. <laughs> for, for self-preservation up on yeah. that podcast. Yeah. Um, I mean I think that uh, Mike Rizzo having his name associated with chicks and dick sporting goods.com is uh, a regret he will take to his grave so if anything we've turned more and more people off of being guests on this podcast it's fine I said that's our MQL we've said that's our MQL criteria like if you don't like this then <laughs> If you didn't think chicks and dick sporting goods.com was funny, you're probably not going to really like working with us then. (laughs) It's a filter, right? Right? Like with the MQL is a good example. Like who's your good good customer and who's not. Mm -hmm. This is our demographic fit is, did you visit chicks and dick sporting (laughs) goods.com? Did you visit it? Oh, all right. So, so Justin, so I... Um, don't know you. We've never met before. You have been mentioned on our podcast previously by Jason Reichlinger as one of his favorite people that he would love to work with again. Um, and at the time, I think I said, you know, like, I don't know Justin, but he just seems like a really, really nice, good person. He's always sharing nice things, commenting nice things, supporting other people. And then I found out you were Canadian, which totally tracks. I get that. (laughs) Um, But can you just, for others who are new to you, can you talk a little bit about yourself for a bit and how you got into marketing apps and anything else you want to share with the world? Sure. I didn't know Jason said that. I must have missed that part, but that's, uh, that's nice of him. And the only bad word I can say about Jason is that he left uh, working with me and went somewhere else. Um, well, it sounds like see. he misses you. So yeah, the, the feeling the feeling uh, is mutual. Um, like all good marketing operations professionals, I started out with an English major because what else what <laughs> else do you do? What else do you do with an English major? And uh, and kind of um, kind of got into marketing. Like I was like, oh, English, maybe I'll try some copywriting. And then 
got into marketing that way. And, um, but was doing marketing for like a professional association, which is, uh, which is really, really different than the, the sort of marketing I later wanted to do. But this was, you know, like 2010, early 2010s. And, um, and I really wanted to go work at a startup. And so um, I, was, I was living in Vancouver at the time, but I moved back to Toronto and I went to work uh, at like a really early stage startup. I was the third employee and the only marketing person. And, um, and so that was, that was cool, right? It was like, all right, you want to be at a startup? This is the most like startup-y kind of thing that you can do where it's just a few people. Yeah. And you're like everything. And, and one of the first things we did was like, all right, well, it was, it was kind of like a product-led startup. It, it, was, um, it was selling uh, like job postings to, uh, to small businesses at 300 a pop. So automation was really important. And so one of the first things we had to do was, all right, let's go and buy a marketing automation platform. And, and there was this cool company called Marketo that our investors were like, you should... Wow. Yeah, you should really You, you should. got Marketo back in 2010? 20 it was it was 2011 and um January, sorry, December 31st, 2011 was when we signed our our contract. Okay. And uh, and we negotiated a 54% uh, discount off of list price because it was like the last day wow. of the year. And uh, <laughs> wow. And was, Hot tip. Yeah, that, so my the the AE was like calling and calling and my CEO was like don't pick up that phone. You just leave let that phone ring. <laughs> Keep bringing the Anyway, so we got we got Marketo and um and that was Wait, so wait, 2011-2012 Marketo was that pre-programs? It had programs, but it was pre-engagement pre-engagement programs and it was it okay. was when Cheryl Chavez was like sending out the emails every month and oh, yeah. things were change, changing every month. And it was a great time to be on Marketo, right? It felt like really alive and pre-IPO, pre-Vista, pre-Adobe, all that stuff. Justin, cool. did you go to the Marketo Summit in 2012? I didn't. I didn't go to a Marketo Summit um, until I until I joined Procuto. So I think like 20, 2015 would have been my first summit. And... And so I always felt a little left out, like all the cool kids were like posting about their experiences at Summit and had, had these connections. And I was kind of outside of that a little bit. You're just always at really small companies that didn't have budget or um, something Yeah. I mean, it was just that company until I, until yeah. I joined Procuto. And, and it wasn't that they didn't have budget. It just, you know, when you're starting out in marketing, Marketo is like a tool. And it wasn't like I'm basing my professional identity ar thing. around this, yeah. this tool right. and I'm going to go and... And it just wasn't a priority. And I think I made a conscious decision, as, as I think many of us did, to like, all right, this is a really interesting pond to swim in. And so I'm going to try to invest more here. Um, and I, I managed to start co-leading the, um, the user group in Toronto and, you know, hop into the, the community back when it was on the Salesforce platform and uh and you know start start vying on the leaderboards on the community you know back when there was the leaderboard um <laughs> those were the days those were the i have a lot you could, of nostalgia. like buy things oh my gosh wait a minute this was tucked away you could like get like a marcado duffel bag for oh yeah points. well there was that one the purple select the thing right where you purple select yeah well that yeah, was would... what platform was that that still might be alive that was, that was influitive yeah, but that one's life. dead for sure. No, it's dead yeah. for sure. You know, I never got to use my purple select points. I wonder if they're still active. They're gone. Sorry. They're I don't get to go <laughs> go buy a t another T-shirt. Um, I'd like to trade it in for um, a magazine subscription if I could. <laughs> Can you translate these to Delta Miles, please? Yeah. <laughs> I, I just want to not have to renew my MCSA or whatever it is again. Because um, yeah. I, I, I like, saw someone post on LinkedIn like, my, it's time for me to renew my MCE, and I don't care. I saw that same. I saw that same post, and I was like, I could totally, uh, I could totally relate. Um, but yeah, so so Marketo, Marketo became more of a thing, and 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 also just automation. Like I think, you know, I was saying I was in my mid mid to late twenties at that job, and it's like a kind of time of figuring out what you really like to do and what you're good at, and. Um, and I really gravitated towards automation and just building, building systems, building scalable things. And I think I saw that, you know, what I could do within that company was kind of limited. 
um, in that regard. And consulting seemed like a really fun way to to capitalize on that skill set and and go to a place where it would really be valued. So I I moved away from there. I joined Percuto. Um, you were early at Percuto too, right? Can we also just yeah. pause for one minute? We talked about this he says Kudo. I don't think yeah we didn't get a clear answer here either. I always thought it was Percuto. And then when I was at Atumos, they all said Percuto. So I switched to saying Percuto. Jason was not sure which one was correct. I think you were like very OG there. So you maybe know it's, the lore better than anyone. No, it's per- Percuto. And it's it's an Esperanto word, actually. They took it they took it from Esperanto. And it means, it means impact. So that was why there's always this kind of like musical mm. theme to their branding. Um, Wait, what yeah, is it's, es- it's, Esperanto? Is that what you so Esperan- that? Esperanto is like a, a made-up language, like uh, like Klingon or something. Um, what? A, like a, I mean, I guess all languages are made up, but it was a it was a deliberately um, constructed huh. language. I don't I don't know the full history of it, like who and when and why, but it was um, like some people got together and just decided they would create a language. And uh, don't tempt me, Justin. Do not yeah. tempt me with a why not? Why not? Language. I have so many time. other things I need Lauren to focus on. We cannot distract her with this. <laughs> Good news, team. We created a new language. All, all our <laughs> no. all our internal communication will be. No. But anyway, oh so it, it is percudo. Not um, you don't you don't make like the the u sound in that way. Um, and yeah, I was uh, there was eight people at the time. So like the two founders and and uh, you know PM, salesperson, a handful of consultants, and um, so was that, again joining at a really early stage and like helping Percuto grow. And I, I stayed there for about seven years um, until uh, Percuto was acquired by Merge, and it was around fifty or sixty people at that time. And I um, I really loved it. I mean, I think a lot of us kind of grew up together in the consulting space and not always at the same uh, consulting agencies, but kind of like as that space grew and as those agencies grew kind of um, in, in interesting parallel ways to each other. Um, it was when did awesome. You join, I, when did you join Percuto? That was 20, uh, 2014, no, 2015, 2015. Well, yeah, February, February, 2015. And um, I had a really bad impression of consulting. I don't know about you folks. Like, before oh, that, that's interesting. No, I, I like. Was, I was. No, I, I only do now. Been, I do now. <laughs> I was pretty early in my career when I started at Atumos. I'd only been in Marketo for like two years, maybe, maybe three. But uh, I had worked with a few different consultants. They were all from Marketo ProServe, and I was just like dazzled. It was like these are the mm. smartest, coolest people in the okay. world. Maybe one day I can be like them. Yeah, that's like the happy side of because I had had more the experience of having like being at a company where an executive brings in consultants where you really like these people don't know what they're doing. Um, they're they're snake oil salespeople. Uh, and, good times. And yeah, and, and 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 that consulting is kind of like a a meat grinder, like a churn and burn, where you are just treated as a disposable object and you know. Definitely um, like that at some places. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so, so Percuto was not like that. And I don't, I don't think Atumas was like, like, I, I think no. many of the Marketo agencies were not like that and really used work-life balance as their differentiator and used uh, remote first as a differentiator. And, yeah. um, and I was already remote at, at that time. Like I've been working remote for about 10 years. So it was, it was perfect. And um, yeah, I mean, I love, I love consulting. It was hard to leave. Um, I love I love like what you said, being able to come in and be that person who has the expertise, is valued for their expertise, um, you know, and people want to pay you for that expertise. And you kind of come in and, and solve a problem and then you get to go away and you don't have to deal yes. with, with politics. Yeah, that's nice. Or, all the politics stuff. Yeah, I, stuff. I I left Atumos, I think, about a year before you left Percuto. And I went back Brandside too. And, you know, I had this idea in my head when I left that I was – you know, I was a little burnt out, like consulting is really fun. And all the things that you're saying are absolutely true. But it's also just like a lot, you know, like balancing multiple, the mental load of balancing multiple clients, I think is a lot. And it's easy to burn out on that. And I was like, you know, wouldn't it just be it would feel like a vacation if I just went to one company, and they had like a normal like 100,000 person Marketo instance with Salesforce, like I could do this in my sleep. I found exactly that the Problems are telling me about in the interview. I'm like, literally, I could do 
one hour of work every day and I think I would dazzle them and it would be just fantastic. Uh, so I went there and, you know, it was, it was that for a little while. Uh, it was much easier, lower stakes. And then I started to remember all of the things that I did not like about being brandside. And, you know, I spent a lot of time talking to like SDRs and counterpart and sales ops and caring about the feelings of SDRs and salespeople and all of this like road showing of why you should care about what the MOPS team cares about yes. for the rest of the company oh and all of it just like it got very tiresome. Once we just again. had a client, but we just had a client where they moved their org, they moved under mm. IT. And they literally were like, do you have any decks created on like, what is marketing operations and marketing automation so that we can explain it oh, to no. our team? And I was like, man, what is bad place to be? Because then you're also like, hey, and I need budget. And they're like, but what does it do? Need, needing to uh, justify <laughs> your existence. Like, why are you taking up air in this room? Justifying your existence. Yeah, exactly. Is that okay? Exactly. Usually, like, when you're a consultant, by the time someone has brought you in, like, that prep work right. has really been done because they got the budget to have you there in the yeah. first place. But I'm interested, Justin, because you were at Procuto for such a long time, uh, and now you've been back brainside for two yeah, years, almost right? Year and a half. Over two years? Yeah. Almost a year and a half. Okay. Uh, and certainly not to like trash your current company, anything like that. It seems like you're doing very well. Like you're a little bit higher up. All this seems great, but what is the transition back to brand side been like for you? That's a really good question. I, um, I decided to leave consulting because, uh, there was an acquisition. It was just a natural, not that the acquisition was bad, but it was just a natural transition yeah. point. It's like, cool, this is a milestone I can, I can leave now. Um, and you know, the one thing about coming in to solve a problem and then leaving is that you're often just solving very similar problems repeatedly. And I find I get more activated when I have new problems. And so I thought, well, I want to be kind of closer to the business. I also kind of, I don't know if I can say this, but I, I, um, I, I started to question the value of some of the things that I was doing. Like I, I felt a lot like I was developing like really elegant, efficient systems, but the thing that those systems were doing, like, you know, the classic playbook of like scoring and nurturing all those things, like, is this actually the best way to do marketing? Um, or am I kind of like stuck, you know, repeating an older playbook from a technical perspective um, and, and sort of questioning that value? I am. <laughs> Yeah, you know, like, but this is the best way to do this thing that maybe doesn't really work. That's kind of like what I was, what I was, yeah, I'm not saying it doesn't. That is currently irrelevant <laughs> that we've been doing since yeah, 2011. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think like when you're at an agency like that, like you are so deep in the Kool-Aid of this do. is what we do. This is our value prop. And you're like brought in post sale. So that's the whole value prop that the client has been fed before you even got there is like this is what we do this is why it works this is why you're going to love it and then you're supposed deliberate. to deliver on it and any of the like hey is this, this actually a good idea you don't really have the totally to have totally that, like, downstream of that and sometimes it's a good idea maybe sometimes it's not but i wanted to like what will it like to be part of that upstream process again and um and did a search and had you know like a whole spreadsheet like i'm sure any of us would do of like like scoring companies by the different characteristics that i i was interested in and uh, and 363 was was uh was a really interesting company to join they have a very particular work methodology that's focused around asynchronous work uh doing things in writing documenting everything um kind of your life your way remote first it really aligned with the way i wanted to work and, and it and it is that way um so yeah, what is it like? I mean, it was incredibly stressful. Um, you know, there's all the things of like going from being really well established in a particular environment, a particular place, um, to ours, you're the new person, you have to prove yourself, you have to, you know, demonstrate your worth. And also, um, I was building a new ops team from scratch. And so there was like all this pent up demand that just just flooded me. So, you know, I worked a lot those first three months. Um until I could hire some people and um but yeah it's I think I've gotten what I've what I've looked for in the sense of uh being able to make a, bit, a bigger business impact hire upstream be part of those conversations that's challenged me in ways that I wanted to be challenged do I sometimes miss the like just like the clinical detachment of consulting of being able to like come in and be like 
such a good way to describe it. The clinical like, detachment. This, this is my diagnosis. Like take it or leave it. Like you know, it's just like they're so liberating. Sure, there's days. There's days where yeah. I miss that. Of course, I do. Yeah, I get that. That's uh, that's really funny to hear you describe it in that way. How? Let me. I, I wanted to ask you both. Um, sorry if I'm taking control of the the discussion, but I, I really was curious because. I've often thought about like a few times, let's say along the way, well, what it would be like to start my own thing or, yeah, and, and I'm, I'm kind of risk averse in that way. I mean, not so risk averse because I've joined startups three or four times, but um, just the notion of going out on your own, like what if nobody buys anything? How do I pay my mortgage? All that. So what has that been like for, for you both? I'm just curious. Justin, this is um, such a nice thing for you to do to give us the perfect opportunity to pitch Emmy I on mean, our own podcast. It would only be only be Canadian <laughs> I, to, to, to do that. It would only be Canadian. It would only be Canadian. Uh, you know, that's a great question. And uh, a lot of the reason that we started Emmy was to make it easier for someone who feels exactly the way that you feel of like, hey, I know I have the network. I know I have the skill. I know I have the experience that I could go out on my own and do something, but it's a little scary because I would be out on my own uh, to give someone just like you or you call me uh, the kind of support of what you're used to working with an agency. Like you still have the whole collective, the whole group of us behind you. Uh, the aim is really that like Lauren and I absorb a lot of that where is my next client coming from? I'm spending so much time sitting on sales calls that go nowhere. I'm, you know, late paying my mortgage because this client didn't pay me on time. Like that, that kind of stuff we handle uh, to make a consultant really spend all of their time doing work they're actually able to bill for. I mean, I, I've seen that in the past, like the business owners do absorb the the stress, the the pressure, the even even if you're doing well overall, like all of a sudden cash flow, like you understand why that's such a huge thing. <laughs> Wait, have you been like what? But it, I mean, <laughs> you never have to worry about that when you're a salaried employee. Like it just the money comes in on a predictable yeah. basis, and now it's like, yeah, yeah. It's, that's true. But also, you have to deal with all their to, bullshit. So, so there's there's pros and cons. So I think what you've done is a really interesting business model. I don't know if you. Uh, were inspired by like another company doing something similar or if you came up with it yourself uh, to have this kind of like team of independence? Here's how we came up with it, Lauren. Here's how we came up with it. <laughs> uh, I First of all, you mentioned you were thinking about leaving for kudos or looking at jobs. You had a whole spreadsheet where you were like grading all these different companies to decide what would be actually the best fit for you. And you said that in such a way that was like, of course, that's what you would do. I'm sure that's what you guys would do too. Um, wrong, wrong, but I think that's really fantastic. And I wish I was the kind of person that would do that. Right. We oh, are yeah, a little more, part. I would say Lauren and I are a little more on the impulsive side, um, for better or worse, you know, it does mean that we are very good at being opportunistic and not like taking too long to make a decision and just like motivated to action is probably a nicer way yeah. to say it. So all of that I to think, say- I like, think what Sydney said there about being opportunistic is important because it's really was less of like, I have this idea in this business yeah. plan and it's more like, oh my gosh, these three doors are open. Which one right. looks like mm. the most fun? Like choose your own adventure. Um, yeah. So go ahead, Sydney, with your thought. But I think that's- So when stuff. Lauren and I first got together and started talking about Emmy, uh, frankly, I felt exactly the same way that you do, Justin. I was like, I would never be a freelancer because it sounds mm -hmm. really scary. And I live in a very expensive city and have two mm -hmm. small children and have a lot of mm -hmm. expenses. Cash flow, personally, mm -hmm. very important to me. I top, mean, that, took, that took, like, convict, took convincing because we were at first like, yeah. okay, we're going to build a new kind of agency where we're not going to do all the things we hated about working at an agency. And I, and I was like, yeah, and I want to hire all contractors. And Sydney was like, yeah. And I was like, absolutely not. not. Why would you do that? Like, there's so many people that won't work as a contractor. So many like fantastic people that won't work as a contractor, including myself. I, that, I don't want that. Uh, so that was my biggest hesitation. I don't think we've ever talked about this on the podcast before. That was my biggest hesitation. I was like, being a freelancer sounds terrible. I don't want to do it. But that means I'm really good at identifying the pain points of being a freelancer. Uh, and it gives us a 
really easy way to like think through what we actually want Emmy to be when it comes to being like a support system for a right. freelancer. Right. Lauren so, had like, been I a freelancer think, for quite a long yeah. time. So even when Lauren was at Revenue Pulse, mm. she was a freelancer. Uh, and Lauren really prefers to work as a freelancer, which was a very new concept to me because I always viewed freelancing as like something you uh, settled for or like I couldn't get the full time whatever. So I'm just going to contract for a little while. But I have been exposed to this whole new world of like, actually, there are a lot of people that would that mm -hmm. don't want a full time job. They would much rather have the flexibility and freedom to contract and take her as much or as little work as they want. Um, so that's that's kind of how we got yeah. to where we are. It's been really yeah. fun and, the end all, and interesting. And the end all I think of it is that when someone is a freelancer or contractor is they get to build what makes them mm -hmm. really happy. And yeah. even in our first meeting, you know, we talked about this before, like the dairy lobbyists of America. We always talk about this with Canadians, I feel like, who like maybe didn't get this, like this whole like milk ads over like when we were young like handsome oh yeah it was it was the it was the dairy lobby of california and it was talking about um cheese, cheese. they're making yes. cheese yeah happy cows make the best cheese happy cows come from california that was the ad i'm sure yeah. no one in I've canada has that. ever seen this because it was very right. specifically it's a, for it's a good uh, it's a good ad it, ma it makes no sense in reality but it's a good it's a good ad yeah, yeah yeah who gives a fuck if your cows are happy or not but your consultants being happy actually yes. does make a big difference in your work product if your consultant yeah. is excited about the work that they're doing and they feel supported and empowered to show up and be their authentic selves at work every day ultimately that's the best for the clients too right like that's how they're getting the most value out of these extremely smart people i also think there's a bit of a barrier to entry on like being bold enough to take the step mm -hmm. to be a freelancer that's not something you do when you still are learning not that we're ever like done learning but when you're still like figuring it out and early in your career like these are all very senior very technical people who know that they have all of their skill all of their network all of their credibility to fall back on like that's the kind of person that steps out to be a freelancer and so for us like even... our Oh, sorry, I was saying for, maybe even for our industry is like there comes a point in your career where you say I you know you always want to make more money of course or you want to work less mm -hmm. for the same amount of money but you have to decide like am I going to be a manager do I want to like continue to grow in that way or do I want to be an individual contributor and it always seems like if you want to be an IC you're kind of like, well, I'm stuck at this pay grade because most companies will only pay you more yep. if you're promoted. And so I think like long term, if you really just like love your craft, it it makes sense to go out on your own because you can build essentially a mini business for yourself um, and get paid a lot more than you would to be just an individual contributor. I think that's the key, brand. the key thing. And I've um, I formulate it for myself in that exact same way. Like companies don't do a good job at creating meaningful career paths for ICs who want to, who want to master their craft and continue to develop there and not take on like people management is a totally different skill. And, um, I'm, mm -hmm. I have a small enough team that I still, you know, get my, my hands dirty sometimes, or I still have times where I, you know, take, take something on and, and just do it. And I still find that I need that. Like if I'm just like floating up, you know, in the stratosphere, like looking down at the earth from, from a hundred thousand miles and just like making decisions, but not really doing things. I, um, I start to feel a bit disconnected and, and, and some people love just being up there and don't want that, but, um, and maybe that will change for me. But I think, I think a lot of people fail in management because they think, well, that's my next step. I'm going to take it on and yeah. actually become bitterly unhappy. Um, and I, yeah. Well, I think that's one thing consulting is really great for. Like it's one of the very few career paths or companies where you are provided a clear career path as an IC. Like agencies actually don't really want a lot of managers because they're not billing. <laughs> they, want, they want to keep everyone as billable as possible and as sharp as possible, as technical as possible, learning new things all the time. I think it's like if that's if that's your path that you want to remain an IC, then being in an agency is actually a great fit. I think I think it's a great life. Well, I a lot of respect to you both for uh, 
for staking that out and doing something new and like, yeah, like what you said, like just building a business that didn't have any of the things that you didn't like, like there's something, uh, something really nice. Like, yeah, why not? Why not do that? Um, I love it. I love it. So I think that's cool. All right. Well, thank you for giving us an opportunity yeah, to talk about ourselves, but we are here to talk about you. So I have, we have a few more questions for you and then we'll move on to some of our other uh, segments that we all know and love. Um, what is it like to be a working dad? Um, that's an interesting question. Um, my daughter is, is 14. Um, so, you know, it's well past the stage where, um, you know, like the needs of a smaller child, I think, I think you both have young families. I've seen you post about that on, on LinkedIn and stuff like that. So it's a very, it's a very different world. The sorts of things you deal with, um, at, uh, at this stage of life are, are obviously different. Um, so from like a time perspective, it's, it's less of like an impact professionally than like, you know, I have a member of my team who has like a one and a half or two year old son. And sometimes he's like there in, in meetings and like, so I don't have that. Um, it's good. It's interesting. I think these years are like, um, you can have a, a more interesting, more mature relationship with, uh, with children. Or they're not really children anymore. They're, they're young adults. And uh, so intellectually, emotionally, they're more mature, the sorts of conversations. My sense of humor lands a bit better. Like there was a period of time where <laughs> my sense of humor wasn't landing so well or like, uh, you know what I mean? It was like, stop, stop making mm -hmm. those jokes. And now it's like, maybe just through- It's hard to think anything's funny when you're a 12 year old girl to be- <laughs> Maybe through force of repetition. Now it's like, it's kind of just wormed its its way in. My kids have picked up my humor just as like normal, normal personalities. It's a little bit scary. I want to be like, no, like I know that I do that, but you should not do that. That's, that's just mom being my, yeah, no. So, it's, so, I mean, you, you have an impact. So I, um, I, I like it, you know, like there's, there's always challenges. I, I think like parenting is a super, um, super difficult uh, job um, and uh, like you're working, you know, it's like you're working with systems, but systems that you can't fully control and that you don't fully understand and that are very unpredictable. And um, it's super complicated. Um, but uh, what do you think like is harder um, being a parent to a 14 year old girl or managing an SDR team? <laughs> Pro probably the, 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 the parenting. Um, I mean, it's, <laughs> I've, heard, it's, it's, I've heard that like um, someone said to me once, like, you know, I know when they're little, you've got a lot of problems, but they're all really small problems. Like when they become teenagers, you have fewer problems, but they're like, whoa, yeah, they're much like yeah. more complicated. It, it is. And I think, um, I mean, uh, I, my daughter is my stepdaughter, so I have been in her life since she was uh, three and a half. So I, I skipped the like midnight, you know, feeding, um, waking up at all hours. Like I skipped that that stage of life. And I think in... Um, you know, I like to believe by the time your child's 14 that you've almost completely blocked that out anyway. So I don't think you're really missing you've much. You've suppressed, you've suppressed it deep, the deep, you have deep to. inside. Um, but yeah, there's like, there's, there's... Child. I mean, it, it actually makes you remember a lot. It's, it's bringing a lot back to me, like that time of life and how, uh, how weird it is, like how your perceptions of things are kind of like evolving and crystallizing, but still like really impacted, I guess, by, uh, your phase of your development and what's going on, you know, chemically within you. And it's like, it's a weird time of life and, uh, gives, gives me like flashbacks and things. And, uh, yeah, I'm, it, make, it makes me appreciate some of this like psychological stability that comes with adulthood, hopefully at least. Um, <laughs> Sometimes that's the goal. Uh, that's the goal. <laughs> Some anyway. of us are still working on that. <laughs> Varying degrees of that, but um, well, when you start to make money, you can pay people to help you. So it's fine. <laughs> there you go. There you, there you go. And uh, you either make it to adulthood a psychologically stable person, or you make enough money that you can work on that later. Yes. You work, you can, you can work on it. But yeah, it's uh, so that's it. It's a uh, it's interesting. I guess is the short answer to your question. That's nice. I love it. Um. We talked a bit about entrepreneurial stuff and we have had a very fun conversation about this in the past. I think it's a good litmus test of just like personality trait. Um, so there's no wrong answer to this question, but I am curious how many 
website domains do you personally own? That's a good question. I don't think today I, I own any. I've had a handful in the past, but I've I've released them into the wild. I've released I I uh, I bought a few. I'm also cost conscious, so I'm not one of those people that will and I've seen how quickly domain names can add up. Um <laughs> so, so there's like a certain um there's this, I don't I don't know if any of you are Star Trek uh watchers or fans, but um they're uh I, I like Star Trek and in, in Star Trek there's a um a race of, of beings called the Ferengi who are like very uh, financially oriented. My wife and I joke that like there's a certain part of me that's that's kind of like that. So I'm always like, I buy, buy these domains like $20 a year. It adds up five, five of them. That's like, you know, hundred. So, so no, I, um, would I ever start my, I might. Um, but I also, I also value like my lifestyle and um, that's why I work from home. That's why I live, uh, live out in the country. And, um, I like being in nature. I like, uh, I like having time to do other things. So, you know, the psychological overhead of starting something, what are you going to do with these domains? What are you yeah. going to do? And, uh, all, all of that. Um, yeah, that's like, would I start a startup, you know, and come be a CEO, like what comes with that? It's crazy. Like, so you have to really, you have to really want to do that. I think. Yeah. I, I hear you. Um, all right. That's great. Okay. One last question for you. And then we're going to move on this. We briefly touched on Marketo summit earlier. Uh, I always think this is fun to talk about with Marketo people because, uh, it seems like everyone brings up the same year of Marketo summit as like the craziest thing that ever happened, but it does not have to be Marketo summit it can be anything. Do you have any good, funny conference or work trip stories? Um, the way you like put your hand <laughs> over your face. Well, I, no, it's I, I was can't more, tell that one. More, and honestly, then what's the second best? I am the most boring uh, person. I don't, um, you know, I don't drink. I don't party. I, I, I and I find conferences really draining. Um, I remember, I think maybe some of you were part of that, but I remember one summit, you know, where, um, there was this like my crew thing floating around in the app and there was like, yeah. seemed like there was this group of people like floating around doing all this hijinks and stuff like that. I'm like kind of the polar opposite. I think it was Sydney. <laughs> yeah. I was, I would call myself tangential. At I, that I'm not trying, I'm not trying to out any, out anybody, uh, as being involved in that, but, but anyways, it, it looked, it looked like people were enjoying themselves, but I just mean, I'm like so far the opposite of that, especially at a trade show where you're like on the floor talking to people all day. I just want to like retreat to my room. So I remember the one where we were in Las Vegas and you may remember, uh, I think it was Everstring. They were hosting the party with, um, DJ Jazzy Jeff and then Will Smith showed up. So there was like this crazy party going on. And my room was like right there. And I was just like in my in my hotel room, like trying to sleep. Um, but that same that same show, um, I remember I was um, Sandy was there. Sanford Whiteman was there that year. And uh, I was like retreating to my room, like a ah, night of, of solitude. And then Sandy gave me a call. It's like, hey, what are you what are you doing? And so he came he came to my hotel room. We kind of hung out for a bit and just, you know, talk shop. And that was, that was my most memorable. Okay. Wait, at, this is actually kind of the polar opposite of what you think you know. I love this so much. Actually. Um, I know Sandy and I are friends. He lives in New York. So he's, I know, like, I know you. I yeah. Know we're you like, yeah. we, uh, you know, see each other from time to time, but he's, I was very surprised when I met him the first time because he was not at all what I expected. And he, the time when I was getting to know Sandy professionally and then personally was when he was in like, I would call it a blackout period on the internet where he intentionally did not show his face anywhere. Uh, and that has since ended. Like he, yeah, he like them. speaks on webinars or whatever from time to time. And there are like pictures of him out in the wild, but it was to the point that I hypothesized if perhaps he was an alias for someone else uh, or like yep, not a I real person yeah. or something. Um, but no, it turns out he is absolutely real. Uh, and when I met him for the first time, I was like, oh, he's almost normal. He's actually just like an, a regular, pretty nice guy. Good dresser. Like he's a, he's just a, 
he's great. He's very great, stylish. Great fashion. Uh, just an, a nice yep. guy. Very smart, uh, but can conduct himself socially just fine. <laughs> uh, so this is this is very funny to me because this was definitely in his blackout period where I, no one really knew what he looked like. And at the conferences, he would wear his badge backwards. So no I one remember, could see I remember him. it had to be around this time that someone was like, hey, 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 that's, that's Sanford. That's, was it was like a Bigfoot sighting. Yes, yes. And like no one like was saying anything. It was like, hey, like, like you know. Just be just cool, like, be cool, be cool. Yeah, but that's yeah. it. <laughs> no, he, he's like a legendary figure. I think, the, and I may be conflating two summits, I can't remember, but the the year that we he and I did that was the year he was actually at the Atumos booth. Like you had a, which I thought was a great idea. It was like a come chat with Sandy, yeah. uh, draw to your. Oh booth. yeah, that was a different and year, but yeah. The, so maybe it was a different, but it, so I'm, I may be conflating the two stories, but um, so maybe he was out of his out of his blackout phase, but um, yeah, I mean Sandy uh, is a, a obviously a legendary figure, brilliant guy, uh, really really nice guy, uh, even though he can be uh, very direct, you know, in, in yes. forum postings Sandy's and stuff always like that. saying what we all want to say. So oh, totally it's fine. I'm going to let, totally I'm going to let him do it. You I, do I've, of, I've often joked that like my career has just kind of been like just following the breadcrumbs that Sandy leaves and then bringing them into <laughs> client calls like the next day or is the same day sometimes like, Oh, yeah. I, I remember Sandy answering this question and just kind of, and if I, honestly, I think, um, if I had to name like a mop superpower, it's kind of just the ability to absorb what other people are, are saying or doing and kind of process and then contextualize. Yeah. Um, so I actually, you know, I'm very happy with, with that, but yeah, he's, he's been a huge influence, both sort of indirectly and, um, and collaborating with him. And yeah, it was really nice of him to, um, to come hang out with me, uh, in my hermit hermitage, my solitude. I just love this visual so much where like everyone is at the party that everyone is still talking about like how I'm close to 10 years it's like eight years later uh and you guys were just like hanging out in your hotel yeah. room I hope you ate some yeah. snacks from the mini bar or something um I I had I had ordered in um nice we had, we had falafels we we had everything <laughs> everything everything we needed <laughs> some hummus we we had it all um <laughs> I would really like to get like a um, artist's rendering of you and Sandy like sitting at the foot of the double bed in your <laughs> hotel room Yo, with MJ and Grant eating falafels. There was, there was, a, like, there was a table. S Sydney, you and I will recreate this, but you're going to be Sandy because you know him better. I'm going to be Justin because I know how kind Canadians act, and we are going to totally improv this entire scenario. We'll have to make sure make sure that he's okay with uh, with telling that that story, but. Um, no, there was a yeah. table. I had a, I had a pr I had a pretty slick room that year. You know, sometimes they just upgraded you because mm. they were so busy. Oh yeah, yeah. So I had a, a decent room, um, but yeah, that's like I'm the antisocial uh, summiter. I don't know. You um, know, honestly, even though this was not a like wild and crazy story, it might be my favorite conference story I've heard yet. Yeah, because it was just yeah. so. We've had either wholesome. like wild stories or like really wholesome stories. Like I woke really up in the alley. I was like. My yeah. pants were gone. I accidentally <laughs> ended up at a rooftop party with every executive from Marketo and there was in and out burger there, or me and Sandy ate falafels in my hotel room. Falafels, yeah. No, it's, uh, it's, my, it's my favorite summit story, too. Oh, um, I love it. Okay, we're going to move on to a segment that you may or may not be familiar with from maybe listening to this podcast before and or parenting social media, but it's called something you want, something you need, something to wear and something to read. It's just a way for us to get to know you a little bit better, but would love for you to share with us something you want, which cannot be a need, something you need, something you are wearing, either want to wear, have worn, something you're interested in wearing, and something you are reading. That's a lot of things. Um, all right, something I want... You know what I really want? So I mentioned I live out in the country and um, when you when you live out in the country, it's all about machinery because machinery becomes uh, your ability to do things like uh, I burn firewood. And so uh, the you so, really live in the country, live in the country. there's a farmer. He drops off. I buy firewood from him. He drops it off. And, the, and when he drops it off, he you know, pulls out his phone. And he shows me like, here's my new excavator. And here's, you know, that's what people out in the country wow. like to 
to swap and uh but they're it's just like being a three-year-old boy i'm it's, a truck mom that, so i know all about excavators and backhoe loaders and steamrollers that, that, that does not go away it's just you cool. s- some people actually have the ability to live that dream in real life and um i've not been there yet i mean a piece of equipment like that is like 40 50 60 grand easy or more um and it's hard to justify but when you have something like that like um when you need, when you need to like dig a big garden bed by hand that takes a long time whereas if you have earth moving equipment it's like five seconds or if you need to like clear brush or you know trees and stuff like that so i would love an excavator if you're making your uh your christmas list um oh this is very adorable you know when my son turned three i asked him what he wanted to be when he grew up and he said a tractor and when he turned four, I asked him what he wanted to be when he grew up. And he said, a farmer. So it's good to know that there is actually a career path where one day he could have an excavator. I, I, I think that's his I, ultimate I think goal. to be, uh, if you, like to, to rent an excavator, it's like uh, several hundred dollars per hour. So there's a decent business to be made to, to buy a few of those, you know, pay somebody a decent wage to, to operate them. Like I would probably be making more doing that. Like if I could afford the capital costs, I think my income would be higher. Here's what you do, Justin. You just have to buy the domain and then buy the excavator. And after that, profit. But there you go. If you have $100,000 to loan me. So, so that was the want. What was the next thing? A need? Something you need, need. yeah. Well, clearly, uh, clearly better internet. Um, I, I just, rural, rural internet is really a challenge. You probably don't appreciate that. I think you're both, uh, I know you are Sydney. I think you're well, well, there. we have a consultant who lives in the country and we've talked about how we can make this better for her. And one of the ideas, although not well thought out has been to put microchips into cows. <laughs> Some kind of chip that we, we actually asked Jeff this. I think this was we the did first ask Jeff weird this question was we asked Jeff. And this that is when was, he was like, wait, did I make a good decision? That was the first time method? Jeff was, yeah, that was the first time Jeff was directly like, I might have messed something up here. Yeah, where we were like, what? so Casey has a hard time with the internet. What if we just put microchips in her cows? Could they more clearly relay the internet back to her? <laughs> I think. It's gotten better, uh, rural internet. I, where it's where it's really going is Starlink. I don't know if you know much about that, but it's kind of that's uh, a satellite, off- right? It's yeah. it's an offshoot of uh, of SpaceX. SpaceX. So it's oh, a it's an Elon Musk venture, um, and uh, it's uh, yeah. Apparently, it's like close to fiber level um, speeds in some cases, but but from a satellite, which historically has not been been possible. Um, I'm doing I'm doing okay with what I have, but clearly uh, clearly it's not perfect. So let's put that as the need. And then you mentioned where. Yeah, something to wear. I I really think very little about clothes, but I, I um, do shoes count as wear? I guess you wear them on yeah. your feet. I, uh, I I need a new. So apparently, you know the type of sandals that you um, they don't have something that go in between your toes like that, but they just you slide right into them. Yeah. Apparently, my daughter tells me they're called slides. Yes. I don't know if that's they are called slides. I could use a pair of those because sometimes like we have dogs and you just want to like be able to go out and take the dogs out or something like that quickly. Um, and something that you can just slide on your feet. And I don't have that right now. So, um, I Justin, would like a pair I of give slides. you permission to, at the conclusion of this call, go on amazon.ca <laughs> and buy some slides. They will okay. cost you $10 and it sounds like <laughs> that, it would is... provide a good If you would like comfortable slides, you could buy some Burks. So, so I've had I've had I've had Burks. They've they've since worn out. My mom has like two hundred pairs of these shoes called Hoka's. Oh yeah, she, Hoka's. Uh, she really recommends um, the Hoka's. The Hoka's so not a sandal; it's a sneaker. Apparently, they make sandal versions of really? Hoka's. Really interesting. As well. Yeah. So, but this this is what I hear. And then um, Reed, um, this is going to sound. Uh, like I'm trying to be deliberately highbrow, but I went, my, my company is located in, um, in, uh, in Paris, like the headquarters. And so I went to France for the first time in January. So I was like, what, what should you read when I go to France? So I, I got a copy of uh, Edmund Burke's reflections on the revolutions, the revolution in France. Um, basically like a contemporary writing about the French revolution. I was like, I'm going to, going to fill myself in on the, uh, and I got about three quarters of the way through and then I got a bit bogged down. So I, I don't like leaving books unfinished. I need to, uh, mm. I need to wrap it up. Got to wrap that one up. But yeah, that's, uh, that's what I've You been know, reading. I feel like that's such a like dad 
thing to do is read a book about the French Revolution when you're going to France. Well, it's amazing how how impactful it's been. Even everywhere you go there, like on public buildings, you still see like the, um, you know, that slogan of the revolution. Like, Viva la resistance. Or like, yeah, li- liber- yes. liberté, uh, fraternité, egalité. Oh, liberté, egalité. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm probably mangling Can it. Can we just have like Lin-Manuel do the French Revolution? In I think I would understand revolution? it much more. I mean, we have Les Mis. Les Mis yeah. is about the French Revolution, right? But it I want to tell you that I, I know a lot of details about the American Revolution specifically. Because of Hamilton. Hamilton. <laughs> I would right. just like to come clean and say that I only know part of that Liberté, Egalité thing, and I only know it because Glossier used it when they opened their Paris store. <laughs> and it said <laughs> Liberté, Egalité, Glossier. Glossier. <laughs> so you know, know it through the like commercial remix of the of this of the yeah. slogan so it's, it's, yeah. it was it, it is actually amazing what a hugely impactful world event it was um and uh and burke is is like actually quite critical of the revolution in a lot of ways um fascinating yeah anyways that's that's i don't know I, if, uh, if you wanted to get that dry no, that's very sweet I, I love that very much um okay we're gonna do pfb on the streets uh, if you were not familiar with this segment, we will give you a prompt and, uh, you know, Justin, I don't even remember if we remember to send you the agenda for this beforehand, but we did have an agenda for this podcast, but we never send the PFB on the streets topics. You're coming into these completely cold. We will just be getting your first reaction. Lauren, you want to kick it off? Yes. Um, beaver tails. Well, they're delicious. They're very unhealthy, but... I don't know if you ever well, had them. Wait, this is a food? <laughs> oh, okay. Yes. I didn't know if Jimmy, you knew that. I am so glad that you feel the same way. So uh, so I worked for Revenue Pulse, which is another Canadian right, consultancy Ottawa, out of Ottawa. Yeah. Yeah. And so right when I started, I visited Ottawa and uh, Pierce had said like, hey, um, you'll have to try some beaver tails when you get here. And I was like, uh, okay, yeah, I will. I'll try anything once. Like totally not knowing that they weren't actual beaver tails they are like (laughs) flatbread sydney that um are kind of like elephant ears and then as i say it out loud i'm like elephant ears like a funnel cake yes Uh, like funnel cake dough but in a deep fried pastry in a sort of wedge shape that looks like a beaver's tail and then you put toppings and then they put toppings on it it's like a little pizza sweet they're sweet sweet or savory Sweet. N- Nutella yeah, or like, brown sugar or various things that you can put on. Like bananas okay, foster. Wait, are, is it um is it actually a beaver tail? No. No, it's just shaped like it. Shaped. It's just it's like we it's like an elephant ear, which is elephant not actually ear. an elephant ear. It is just yes. a funnel cake. Yeah. But like okay. a sweet piece of pizza, but more round and with, with sweet toppings on it. Not but it's like toppings. solid, not like a not like it's the delicious. funnel cake. Oh, no, no, yeah, right. it's it's more really... more flat, more flat, like a flat piece of pastry. Yeah, another okay, well, well, well worth trying. Yeah, I mean, I, okay, this is not at all what I thought a beaver tail was <laughs> going to be. Come, so this go is to, very go to, interesting. Go to Ottawa, Sydney. You're not that far away. No, um, I'm not. Aren't I pretty close trip. to Toronto? I'm not very good at geography. I'm sorry. Um, no. It's not super. I mean, it's like an hour or two flight. It's very short. Hmm. Okay, yeah. right. I've actually I've never been to Canada. Wow, never oh. never been to Canada. I, Canada I know. So I know. We're, we're waiting for you. Yeah. All right, Cindy, so um, go ahead. She gave me that one because she didn't know what a beaver tail was. But yeah, no, I had no idea. That was very that was fascinating. All right, uh, threads. <laughs> Has it um, hit the remote area of Canada that where you are yet? <laughs> is rural Canada on threads? I don't know what what threads is at all. Um, when I when I oh. think of threads, my wife does a lot of uh, fabric arts stuff, like sewing, knitting, like embroidery. Lots, embroidery, yeah. So we were just we were just talking about thread uh, yesterday, and like the different. She wanted to buy this machine, but it could only use a certain type of thread, and she didn't want to use that type of thread. So this was this is where my Thank my you. mind. What does your wife do? Um, she actually is. Uh, we call her the director of household operations. Um, Love it. So she's at home uh, in, in the summer, does a ton of like gardening. She's kind of like a full-time uh, oh, gardener. Cool. We grow a lot of food, um, potatoes, garlic, carrots, like, like we, we're still, we're still eating the garlic from last year. So it's more than just like wow. a summer garlic. It, uh, we're wow. really trying to um, be more sustainable, let's say, um, and this. be able to produce a lot of our own food. 
Um, so yeah, that, that keeps her busy. Um, but yeah, well, she has hobbies great. too. Yeah. That's great. Um, okay. Well, Threads is the new Twitter competitor that uh, Meta oh, just the, launched I, yesterday. I, I, yeah, I yeah, saw yeah. that. Yeah. It'll probably last like two weeks, three weeks. What do you think? Oh, no. I think it might last. You think it's, yeah, it it's got legs? Yeah. All right. I yeah. think it's got legs. I think it's got legs. It's, we'll revisit uh, this you in can, a year. Let's see. When you um, make your account, you can automatically follow everyone that you follow on Instagram. Okay. So it's like it's a quicker way to get like I, interested in what's happening. I so I'm not I've never been on Instagram. I don't use it, um, mm, and I I don't really use like LinkedIn is the only social media I actually uh, use. Really? Um, Ever? But, like, do well, you have the, other social? No, media? I, like I have a Twitter account. I've had a Facebook account. I only use Facebook for Marketplace, um, mm. and um, and I you know I haven't posted on Twitter in a very long time. Uh, although my account was, goes back to 2008. So early adopter, early abandoner, you could say, of social, <laughs> social media. But well, I, you can I, be I an watch, early adopter, early abandoner of threads for I'll sure. Check out the, I, I watch what my daughter does with TikTok because I think um, oh, yeah. basically that is uh, like where her generation goes to find information. You know, like if yeah. she wants, like what shampoo should I get? Like it's a TikTok influencer that's going to tell you what the cool thing is to get right mm -hmm. now. So, it's very scary to me. Very it scary. is, but you see, but I think you know from a business perspective, you see it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I spent sure. a lot of time the other day on dry cleaning TikTok because I wanted to know how a dry cleaner worked. <laughs> dry cleaning. So, like TikTok. millennials, you know spend this their time is on an example. Of, you know, than, we can't get Lauren into the how to create your own language because I'm gonna lose her, and she's gonna be on TikTok looking up how languages are created, and this is gonna be like three to five business days lost. Mm -hmm. so, yes. So how does dry cleaning work? Can you summarize it? And like, do you know seconds? that it is not actually water? dry? It's a solution other than water. And so chemically, it can be called dry, but they just wash it in something else. Like your stuff still goes in one it's big, huge, disgusting still, washing machine. Still, I don't know if you remember, like if you're, if either of you were Seinfeld fans, but he had a whole bit about it. Like, how can you clean with dry? Like what's dry? Like it was a whole... Yeah, it, it was not. Right. I don't know what I thought it was, but I thought like when it went on that conveyor belt, it was like, I don't know, a sauna or a steam room or something. <laughs> and then they also came out flat. But no, apparently there's like a lot of manual work that goes into it that once it comes out of the washing machine, then they are really like pressing it for you. So that's Yikes. disillusioning. I'm kind of yeah. disappointed about that. Same. It's just laundry Same. theater. Mm -hmm. it's, yeah. It's still better than <laughs> ironing your own shirts, but uh <laughs> right. Uh, all right. LinkedIn. Um, I like I like LinkedIn. You know, the one thing about LinkedIn that I appreciate is that it's kind of a um, a lot of like who is out there. I, I think there's like a lot of um, there's kind of an in group sometimes. You know, I think we've all seen it where sometimes like the same people get picked to speak at summit. It it isn't a true mm -hmm. meritocracy always. Mm -hmm. And um, or, or certain people have connections and so they get boosted in different ways. And at least I'm not saying it's a completely level playing field, but I think LinkedIn, at least I like that it gives you the ability to put ideas out there and people will react or not react um, and and kind of it, it, it levels the playing field a little bit. Obviously, not because some people already come with huge audiences and reputations and they get boosted by each other. So I'm not saying it's purely like that. But I, I like that it gives you a way of kind of bypassing some of the gatekeepers, maybe that um, that kind of are normally what sort of elevate people to positions of prominence and let you get ideas out there in a mass way um, without any of that. That is the most positive description of LinkedIn I have ever heard. I know there's I know there's lots of problems. I know I know there's all <laughs> sorts of problems. I'm not suggesting there isn't, yeah. but I, I like I know, that aspect I, of it. I yeah. like this. It's a refreshing perspective, I would say. I and I will it. say too that like that, you know, it's not always um, easy, I think, as business owners or as people curating a personal brand to continually post on LinkedIn, but it's certainly beneficial given like, you know, we might be like, oh, like this post or this um, comment only got like a couple hundred views or sometimes it gets like thousands and thousands like wow well how else can you get that kind of reach for basically like free thinking about something or Sydney you you posted some uh, witty thing once I think it got like thousands yes. of reactions like I mean that's a flash millions, of the millions. Millions. <laughs> millions. I mean that's yeah. you get lucky you get lucky sometimes but who knows uh, 
the algorithm yeah. gods were smiling on me that day. But but and yeah, I mean I like mean, it's but true. like on some place like Twitter or now Threads, like that's not necessarily like your your audience or like you know people that's totally gonna land with. But in a place like LinkedIn, it's like okay, well 130 people saw this, and if I had 130 people in a room and was giving them a presentation, like I would be thrilled. So totally, and I think that's why the logic of like. Um, executives posting on LinkedIn, like people really representing themselves there. It makes so much sense. So few people actually do it. It's really hard. I've, I've found it hard. Like it's taken me a while to um, find like a kind of voice and a format that works for me. And, and for me, it's, I'm just incapable of writing something that doesn't max out the character limit. I was going to say, I'm very impressed by the things that you post on LinkedIn. They're like yeah, he's quite so thoughtful helpful. and obviously uh, very smart and get a ton of engagement. Like, will you um, ghostwrite for me? No, I, I appreciate that, but it's, but I, I can't, like some people go out there and it's like, you know, they post something that's just like short and impactful or like, and I don't feel, I think I always feel like I need to prove what I'm saying or like prove the worth of what I'm saying. Like, mm -hmm. here's a thought and here's a framework that goes like, and that's just me. And yeah. I'm, I, that's we have, the consultant uh, in you. Yeah, I was we, like, and we're like, thanks, Justin. We sell that for 10,000. <laughs> <laughs> you can, you can still, if someone is, is can see a post and implement it, then they won't be a customer. They didn't need a anyways. consultant anyway. They yeah, yeah, consultant true. Anyway. So you'll be, you'll be fine. But yeah, it's uh, no, I think I like what you folks are doing. I think you are true to your personalities on, on LinkedIn and like, you know, carrying also a very nice your, way to say that. With your <laughs> no, but there's, there's humor, there's whimsy, there's all the, the things that you're clearly trying to do with your, with your business. And, oh my gosh. Um, our grandmother is going to be so happy. To she hear is going to be so happy. It's working, Liz. It's, we're doing it. There you, there you go. So that, that was what you were going for. So there you it is, yeah. it is well, yeah, I think that's like, you know, part of what we're trying to do is like, man, why aren't we all being so stuffy in this world? Like, and, and it seems like people in our industry like to have fun or when we get together, we're like funny and lighthearted. But then we present as this like, you know, I don't know. We're beep just trying beep to impress the, the, the corporate overlords. And I agree. So Sydney and I are like, okay, what what if we were the overlords? <laughs> what kind of chaos? Wouldn't that be scary? No, I, <laughs> Wouldn't that be scary? I, right? I, I think that the I mean, I, don't I, know. I just think it's a new space that that people, if they find themselves, you know, um, connecting with, like, welcome to our crazy. Sphere. I think we need it. I, I think that I said a nice thing about LinkedIn, but the downside, of course, is just the the sameness, the um, the lack of originality, the you know, people just kind of posting the same um, kind of junk um to try to to try to get engagement i really i really try not to do that it's it's hard like you know you, you start out thinking i'm just gonna say what i want and it's fine but then once you start like you got the dopamine hit of um a post that does well and you're like well what did that do like maybe i could i i, I really don't want to be like a person that just has like two or three ideas and just repeats them in different ways all the time so if you ever see me doing that call me out on it um but it's but it's i, th I think we need what i'm trying to say in a roundabout way is we need like different just people being a bit different and like breaking the mold, I think on LinkedIn. And, and so I appreciate yeah. that. Totally agree. All right. One last PFB on streets. We would be remiss if we had a Canadian on and did not ask hockey. I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a hockey fan per se, but um, I like hockey kind of, there's a certain nostalgic Canadiana that's wrapped up in it. Like the Canadian identity of, of liking hockey and I kind of like that like that just that people really like it um but I could care less myself you know I really felt like this could go one of two ways uh one of course is that you don't care about hockey at all and the other is that you were like secretly the, the world's, world's biggest, hockey, biggest fan. hockey fan um and I would not have been surprised either way so you know what I'm satisfied <laughs> with this answer I feel like I feel very similarly about American football like I it's not that I personally really care that much about football but i do like the like culture around right. football like it's fun to have a football team that you pretend to care about and it's fun to like have a football game on <laughs> even if it's not something you're like directly watching uh, uh it's so fun yeah, to have snacks so, the snacks around football i enjoy i, I used to have a call i yeah. think you said you're from the south sydney i had a co-worker from south carolina yeah. and uh, he sent me this this youtube channel a southern thing and they have a lot of videos about like all that like the it's the football game day and all yeah. the snacks that you have and there's like the whole thing around it and yeah 
yeah, there's something interesting about those kind of traditions and routines that, you know, become part of a culture. Yeah. Um, I'm from North Carolina. Not Sorry, South I don't mean to conflate. Fact, South Carolina is a really, it's bad. Real South. It's a totally, it's a different totally place. different. I'd love to, I'd love it's to bad. visit uh, North, North Carolina, actually. Um, it's nice. I, um, it's good to I, I have a real interest in like kind of the app. Bad politics. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm more interested like the, the Appalachian culture. Like I really like um, kind of folk folk mm. music and bluegrass music and stuff like that. And so sort of. The... I do as a um, as a North Carolinian, I am morally obligated to tell you that it is Appalachian. Is it really? Mm-hmm. Oh, it my gosh. It is Appal- Sorry. Appalachian. That's Could okay. We... I didn't even know that. And I think yes. like southeastern Ohio is in the Appalachian. The Appa- so do you say that the Appalachias I... or Appalachias or Appalachias? Appalachias. Oh my gosh! Mm-hmm. I really have to like reprogram myself. I went to uh, I went to Appalachian State for one year, and then I transferred to a different school because I did not like living in the middle of nowhere. It's something you cannot relate to, Justin. But uh, yeah, it is. It is Appalachian. I, I think that's why you live in New York today, and I live in the middle of nowhere. Like either, you yes. know. It's like the hockey thing, either one one way or the, the other way. I got there and I was like, you know, the closest target is an hour away. And I uh, really liked actually working at the mall. And I've lost a lot of things that brought me joy. So I need to get back to Charlotte. And I did. And it was great. And I moved to New York. So lived happily ever after. But not a not a country gal, as I suspected and was then confirmed. Camping, not my strong suit. Outdoors, I'm more of an indoor cat. So, as, as my dad says, that's why they make chocolate and vanilla. It's one of his expressions. That's right. Oh, I like it. That's right. You know, we got to have both. Well, Justin, it has been so wonderful to have you on. Thank you for taking the time. It was great to get to know you a little bit better. I will say that you can definitely be tied for first place with our favorite Canadian. Uh, sorry, Mike, you have to share the throne now. Um, I'm honored. And that's it. I'm honored. Thank you so much. It was a lot of fun. Good luck out there, little podcast. Like and subscribe, share, tell everyone.